Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 104 with our guest, Tom Schwab. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey guys, thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Does this sound like you? Your product is great. Your service is phenomenal. You could help thousands and be rewarded handsomely. You only have one major problem. This problem is real and it's personal. You know in your heart and it hurts. Your ideal clients don't know you exist. You aren't loved or hated. You are totally ignored. Well, our guest today has you covered. Meet Tom Schwab. Tom knows how to build an online business. He's done it successfully several times and now helps others find online success with podcast interview marketing. Marketing at its heart is starting a conversation with someone who could be an ideal customer. Tom helps you get featured on leading podcasts that your ideal prospects are already listening to. He's the founder of Interview Valet and the author of Podcast Guest Profits, Grow Your Business with a Targeted Interview Strategy. I'm excited. I'm happy to welcome the Tom Schwab. What's going on, Tom? Josh, I am thrilled to be here. And uh, we live in an amazing time that, uh, you know, I can sit here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, talk with you and get heard throughout the world and throughout time. Isn't that the point? I want to start with the main uh, idea that you say, yes, this is all about, in your world especially, podcast guesting and becoming the best guest you possibly can through that medium for uh, an accelerated result. But really pulling that back, as you put it, it's all just a, a version of inbound marketing. It's inbound marketing. It's a little bit of influencer marketing, right? Inbound is using content to attract, engage, and delight customers. Now, when 10 years ago, inbound marketing meant blogs. And one of the hacks that we used to use was guest blogging, right? Instead of putting a blog on my site and getting it seen by three people, well, if I could go out onto Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal, wherever it was, I could get that exposure and, and reach so many more people. So really that's the same thing we're doing with podcast interview marketing. But instead of guest blogs, we're using podcast interviews. 
So going out to establish audience, get that no like and trust and driving that back. And it's a little bit of influencer marketing too, because if you hear me, you have no idea who Tom Schwab is, right? Let's but say. You, but you know, Josh, you love Josh. And so when Josh introduces me, there's that transfer of, uh, of authority, right? The host, uh, the celebrity has already vetted the guest. So it's a little bit of the influencer side too. And uh, I, I go back even further than that. One of our clients said, this is the new version of the old thing, right? It's like uh, if this was uh, 50 years ago, we would be uh, standing at the country club and uh, you would say, Tom, come over here. There's some people I want to introduce you to. So it's the same old thing, uh, but in a new way with new technology. What you're talking about is certainly uh, borrowed credibility, right? The fact that people are tuning in, and uh, this is a, a good point I've heard you say, and I know is true. People tune into a podcast for the host, period, right? So um, you gain some of that borrowed knowledge and trust and credibility through this avenue. Exactly. It's, you know, uh, there's guilt by association. There's also the halo effect. And so from that, you go into that audience. And it's really important that as you come in, that you know the audience. Uh, I, I cringe every time I hear a podcast interview and they ask the person the same question. They ask every guest and they're like, huh, I've never thought of that. It's like you're just yelling to the audience that uh, I have never listened to this podcast. I am not one of you. Uh, so from that standpoint, you know, you need to, to respect the audience and be prepared for it. You know, nothing, nothing ruins your credibility more than going on stage in Cleveland and saying, hello, Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> what a great example. And I love how we're taking the podcast specific, which gosh, I become such a fan of. Um, I started this podcast uh, a year, less than a year ago. And I started it because I knew that I would enjoy it. I would be good at it. It would be something that I can really wake up every day and look forward to, which helps. And I said, you know what? I don't have all the pieces. I don't have all the next steps, but I know if I do this, it's going to lead somewhere in the direction and I'll start to see clearer as it goes. I got to tell you, one of, the, one of the most exciting things that this does is that now, today included, I've been connected like this to 104 extraordinary people. And that in and of itself has been a game changer. Talk to me about no matter which side of the mic you're on here and the uh, application for any entrepreneur, the power of connection. Yeah. And you're so right. And I hear two things in there. The first one is exposure brings opportunity. You didn't know what that opportunity was going to look like, but exactly. you knew that if you got out there, that opportunities would, would uh, show up. And they still are. And they still are. And you don't know what opportunities are already, you know, seeds planted that just haven't come up, that you haven't seen yet, haven't bared fruit. So from that standpoint, you know, a lot of us will, will fly different places to go to conferences or um, take different courses. Well, you can also connect with people online, uh, either being a host or a guest. So that exposure brings opportunity, I think is key. The other one that I've noticed more and more the older I get is the richness of your life is the richness of your relationships. Mm. And part of that is money, right? But there's so much more to that, that network that you can touch into uh, when you know people. There's, there's 104 people that you've interviewed that consider you a friend. And they would take your call. You could reach out to them. And, and so all of a sudden, you've built up this great network. 
They're referring people to you. And so it's that richness. And, you know, it's even weird. You go into a different city, uh, you do podcasting for long enough, and all of a sudden you start knowing people in different cities. I can think of uh, about uh, two years ago in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, we had a tragedy here. Uh, a very, very sick man um, executed some very innocent people. And mm. it happened on a Saturday night. I wake up Sunday morning and I've got all these texts. Hope you and your family are, are doing well, you know, praying for you and your community. And I'm scrolling through these and going, what are they talking about? It wasn't until I walked downstairs and my wife had the news on and I thought, wow, these were people that I knew virtually through podcasting, mm. through different connections that I that had never met me in real life, but they remembered Kalamazoo and thought enough to reach out. It was, you know, Josh, it was before the afternoon, before family and uh, what I would call, you know, friends that I actually knew started to reach out. So, you know, I just look at that and say, that's a blessing. That's, that's exposure brings opportunity and the richness of your life is the richness of your relationships. Amazing. Let's talk about your company, Interview Valet, which I have the luxury of knowing very well on the host side because you and your team uh, generously pitch uh, amazing clients who have appeared on this show. Uh, so that's cool. And then when they pitched you, I'm like, really? <laughs> yes, send, let's go. Of course, Tom, this will be amazing. Um, but you... You are now known as the category king of podcast interview marketing. And I think in part, uh, what I just learned is that you haven't been standing on the sidelines and trying to make this work. You yourself are walking the walk by having appeared on over 1,200. You as a guest have appeared on over 1,200 podcasts. Is that a connection? Is that a correlation? That is, we use our same, you know, uh, same thing. We, we drink the Kool-Aid. And sometimes I am embarrassed when people like, you've been on 1,200 podcasts? Yes. Somebody's got to figure out the system, what works, doesn't work. And I'm an engineer by degree. So I'm always really? trying to, to tweak the system um, and, and make it work even better because it is a system. So each one of those, we learned and said, you know, what makes a great podcast? What makes a podcast that converts? What are the things that you can do to move people from being just a passive listener to an active visitor to an engaged lead? Because at the end of the day, it's not just about, you know, getting on a podcast. That, that's sort of an ego thing. But how can you actually use that to, to help people? and to help yourself by growing your business. Uh, so uh, I've been on over 1,200. We've got experience now with over, I believe it's 7,000 uh, podcast interviews uh, that our team has coordinated. And we're always learning. Uh, you know, there's a checklist that I give out all the time. And I always say checklists are written in blood. Just make sure it's not your blood. And so every time we learn something new, uh, we go through that, you know, simple things, you know, um, turning off your phone. Yeah, everybody knows that one. Uh, but how about um, pausing your Dropbox? Uh, because I can remember being on a podcast interview one time and uh, great interview, great connection, everything is going. And then all of a sudden, somebody sent me a video to my Dropbox file that I've been waiting for. And you want to talk about bandwidth uh, disappearing really quickly. So little things like that, just uh, learning, learning as we go. Talking about marketing, there was something the way you put it on your site that um, I just loved because it makes so much sense. And I want to talk about this. You wrote fact, the secret 
to talking to anyone is getting involved in the conversation they are already involved in. Let me repeat that for a minute. The secret to talking to anyone is getting involved in the conversation they are already involved in. That hit me, I thought about it, I love it, I get it. So many entrepreneurs uh, who, who need to market, who are not being heard or seen by their ideal clients, this can be the game changer. Let's really break that down. What does that mean and what's the more common mistake that we're doing? Is it that we're trying to start and force the conversation? So again, what does it mean to get involved in the conversation they're already having versus what we may be doing that is, 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 is not working. Yeah, and I, I think this will not change over time. It was the yeah. same for our grandparents and it'll be the same for our grandchildren. And let's take it to a, uh, you know, a real life example. You're, you're in an event and there's two people that are talking there. They're having a conversation and they, one of them's maybe a friend, one of them is an ideal customer. If you go up there and just interrupt them, and just start talking to them with your message, with your pitch. Uh, they're both going to look at you and say, enough about you. That's just downright rude. And I think so many times we do that online. It's just like, I've got something to tell you, Josh. And we just start blasting that to them. Mm. And uh, it's sort of an outbound, in-your-face uh, way. And it might, it might make a transaction every now and then but you're not going to build a relationship. You're not going to be able to build a, a lifetime value of a customer, right? I always think that it's never been easier to make a transaction online. You know, if you want to sell something, be a penny cheaper on Amazon, but it's never been harder to build a relationship, to build a business. So think about that. If we were just, you know, one-on-one -on -one at a, a BNI event or something like that, as opposed to interrupting you in the conversation, well, how great would it be to get in on the conversation, mm. to add value to it, to have somebody vouch for you, to, for somebody to ask leading questions? Josh, you know, um, tell me about what you do in your business. All those things, it makes it so much easier. So now let's start with that and say, well, how can we use those principles that we look and say, yeah, that's obvious. You know, kindergartners know that. Well, how can we use that online? Well, some of it's influencer marketing, right? How can you get an influencer to, to uh, introduce you? How can you use webinars with some, on somebody else's platform? How can you use podcast interviews to go on there? And I don't say there's one thing for everybody, right? Somebody asked me one time, well, podcast interviews now are heard by roughly 50% of the U.S. population. And they said, well, when do you think it's going to be 100%? I said, Radio and television never got to 100%. You know, 10% of the U.S. population is hearing impaired. It's not going to get to 100%. But how can you get in on that conversation? For me, the easiest thing is to talk. So we can take that and then, you know, you'll put it up on your website so people will see it there. For people that read, we can – so it's on video, right? People on Facebook right now are seeing it. So there's so many great ways that you can get in – on the conversation uh, that they're already listening to as opposed to just trying to be downright rude and interrupting what they're listening to. There's so much value in that. So um, I, I challenge everybody to sort of really apply that in your own way. How can you get in on the conversation your ideal clients are already having? having? So it's about finding where they're talking about the problem that you solve, yes? 
Exactly. And, you know, you think about it, we were talking before, um, uh, I spoke at the inbound conference. Great, great conference, right? Well, it was a whole lot easier for me to go and speak on their stage than it was for me to start my own conference, right? To, to be where they were, to be where they're already listening to, as opposed to saying, hey, we're going to have a conference. We'll call it the Tom Schwab Conference in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I guarantee you, we probably wouldn't draw 20,000 this year. Wow. Let's talk about the, the three M's that you focus on, message, market, and machine. Connect these for me. What is this? Yeah. Um, we looked after our first hundred clients that we worked with and said, well, why do some of them get good results and some of them get great results? You know, always looking at the systems and the processes. And we really broke it down to three things and they all multiplied on each other. So if one was weak, the entire result was going to be weak. And it was really message, market, and machine. And so the message is, do you have stories to tell and not just a product to sell? Mm. Nobody likes an infomercial. So those people that tried to go on a podcast interview and use it like an infomercial, it doesn't work. So that was the message. The next one was the market. Market means, do you know who you want to talk with? And do you have a way to help them? So the people that came to us and said, um, I want to talk to everybody. No, not everybody wants to listen to you. And the ones that said, I just want to build my personal brand. Well, how does that help the host or the audience, right? You've got to have something that can help them. And a lot of times that means something that they can purchase. You know, it's hard to get return on investment if you don't have anything that they can purchase. So we're all about return on investment of both time and money. So we look at the market there. And then finally, the third one is machine. The machine means your digital presence. So if I go to, if I hear you on a podcast interview, and then I go to your website, and it looks like it was built in Y2K, you're not gonna convert. If, if I hear you as an expert on a podcast, and then I come back and it's like you're in the witness protection plan on social media, it's not gonna convert. So before we bring on any uh, new client, we always do that evaluation, the message, the market, the machine. Because at the end of the day, we won't want just another client or another customer, we want another raving fan. So if there's a part of that that's weak, we'll tell them, hey, here's some things that you could do to tune that up because at the end of the day, we want to get you maximum return on investment. And we could spend an episode really on each of those. So true, so fascinating. Um, I love the machine part, the, uh, the digital presence. In my world, um, whether it's helping a client outside of the podcast space, you know, as a business coach, they, they're an entrepreneur and they have a business and I help them, or it's a podcast host or somebody who wants to guest, as you know, um, for example, uh, uh, recently, because I hit a hundred episodes recently, people are saying, how do you, how do you find your guests? And I said, you know what? Finding the guests are the easy part. I could lead you in 10 different directions and show you where to find guests. You know what the difficult part is? Making sure that the guest, when you ask, is going to say yes rather than no. Those are their only two choices. And in order to get more yeses, you need the machine, as you put it, in place. Because they're going to click one or two links to quickly vet you and make a, a, an informed and responsible decision. Uh, nobody has time. They're not going to spend all day. So it's got to be quick 
and legitimately to the point. Like you said, your website needs to convey very quickly who you are and how you want to position yourself. When they scroll through your LinkedIn or your Facebook or what have you, they need to see and you need to strategically make sure that everything is properly there. Talk to me about brand, because I know your brand, Interview Valet, I love it, Category King, I see right now, no accident, right? I see the white glove as part of the logo. Talk to me about how brand has played a good part for you. Well, and I wish I could say that it was all intentional. Um, you know, sometimes uh, in hindsight, everything looks perfect. I've got to say our best copywriters are our clients, right? Early on, we had a client that came to us and said, you know, the reason I like working with you is because you let me be the guest and you take care of the rest. I'm like, oh, there that's it good. is. There's there, the there's tagline. Good, good tagline. Even the name Interview Valet, um, one of our early beta testers, uh, Matt Miller from School Spirit Vending, uh, we were together having dinner and we were talking about different names for it. And he came up with Interview Valet. It didn't take me too long to pull up my phone and go, go to GoDaddy. It's like, wow, that domain is available. It's mine. But, but with that, I mean, it's, I think you're right that you've got to be consistent because people are going to make judgments on a split second. So you want to tie things to things they already know. There is a reason that the orange in our logo is the same as the orange in the HubSpot logo, right? Because we do a lot with inbound marketing, inbound marketing agencies, uh, people that understand that world. So it just sort of ties together on that. And then also uh, that uh, just your, your wording and your logos in there. Uh, you mentioned before that, that quote that, that really struck you. Well, there's probably a lot of people that would read that and go, I don't get it. That's fine. There's no judgment for that because you want to appeal to your ideal customer, not to everybody. And there are certain times where people come to us and say, well, I don't like that. Um, you should change that. And I'm like, I've got opinions, right? I've got an opinion. Uh, as a business coach, you've got an opinion. But the answers, the truth comes from our customers. They'll tell us what they love and what they loathe. And so as long as you're testing things and, um, uh, and, uh, and figuring out what they say, you know, people will say, well, I don't think, you know, on your, on your site, it should be schedule and assessment. Maybe have you tested, you know, talk with us? I'm like, yeah, we've tested that schedule and assessment always works best. It works best for our clients. So from that standpoint, um, know your brand, be consistent to your brand, be professional but also test it. Um, test what your customers love and what they loathe. Uh, double down on one and stop doing the other. Message market machine. We just spoke about machine, your digital presence, et cetera. Let's talk about the message now. Because again, whether you're in the podcast space or not, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you need to focus on your story. And I did not say you need to have a story because whether you realize it or not, you have a story. The trap, the trick is sort of figuring out exactly what it is, what to make of this mess. Certainly in my life, I'm like, okay, 40 years in hiding uh, a mess, but now how can I extract the necessary pieces for the goal and have that become my story part one? And it's a little bit of a process. It takes some 
effort. It takes some time. It takes some awareness. It takes some honesty. It takes everything that you need to see your vision and say, okay, how can I help those that I need to help using my story? What is my story? And then just start, start living it, start putting it out there. How do you relate to all that? Well, I think some people will say, well, I don't need a story. I've got a great product. I've got a great service. I don't need the story. And I would say, if you don't have a story, you've got a commodity. You're selling widgets, right? Wow. Um, and that's a transaction. And you, know, you look at it, um, HubSpot uh, years back did a study, and there was a correlation between um, people signing up for the service and going to the About the Founders page, right? Because we all want to know What's the story behind it? What's the heart? You know, I, I can think of one of our early clients, um, Gavin Zaklinski uh, from Acuity Scheduling. Now, mm. We worked with him for about 18 months to get him on podcast to wow. grow his business. And now I've used Acuity Scheduling ever since. Now, is it better than Calendly or Schedule Once or all the rest of that? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't looked at the other ones, right? Because I know who Gavin is. I know the story behind it, why he started it what his team is about, what they're trying to do. And so from that standpoint, I've got a connection to it. I, I like the company and they recently were acquired by Squarespace. And I, I often wondered, oh. like, well, why did Squarespace, and that was their first um, uh, acquisition that they did. Wow. Why did they pick that one over just any of the other ones? And, and to me, it's, maybe it is the story, right? Of people know that. It's like, if I've got no brand uh, loyalty, behind it, um, then it's just another scheduling app. But if I know the founder, if I know the story, if I know and I connect with, okay, this is, you know, this is Josh's story. He, he was hidden for a while, just like I was. Then we've got something to connect. And so I think um, too often we focus on, on just the, the products, the features, uh, and ultimately people remember the stories. Uh, think about the last PowerPoint presentation you went to you don't remember all of the bullet points but if somebody shared their story that's what you'll remember exactly let me take us back i i want to learn about you now and see how we got here um all through this these roads you took uh take us back to the beginning to start though what was life like growing up for you yeah it was it was sort of like mayberry right and you can look at things as, as heaven and hell at the same time. I loved growing up. I, it was a suburban Chicago, a place called St. Charles, Illinois, about 40 miles west of Chicago. Uh, great place, great family, great surroundings, great school. Um, but it was also small, right? I had never really been more than 100 miles from my home hmm. before I went and left for the Navy. And I knew there was so much more out there. And so um, I love it, I, I cherish it, but I wouldn't want to be there for the rest of my life. But there was this whole thing of security, um, stability. You know, all of my, my family, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, they all lived probably within 10 miles. The one that really moved far away, they were like 40 miles away. Can you imagine that, Josh? Yeah. Uh, we'd, have to, we'd have to check the oil in the car before we made that long road trip. And so from that standpoint, um, the world was a small place. And that was, that proved, like you said, heaven and hell, because some might say, oh, safety, stability, family, comfort, cozy. But mm, no, it, it had its drawbacks. It, it did. And for me, I, I knew there was so much more out there. 
And, uh, you know, uh, I had the opportunity to go to the United States Naval Academy. First time I ever got on a plane was to, to go to induction day there. I came back a year later. I had been around the world. I had spent a week in Australia. I had met people from around the world. And my world was never the same. I went back to that, that small town and realized I, I cherish this, but I want to experience more of the world. There's more opportunity out there. And it, at times it was, um, it was a struggle, right? Because it's like, well, why don't, uh, why don't you love where you came from? Why don't you want to come back here? Why don't you want to um, really? be here? And it wasn't that I was saying no, that it wasn't right for them. Um, it was saying, it was no, it's not right for me. Is that what brought you into the Navy? Just a, a desire to explore and that you saw as a direct route? Um, I think it was the explore, but also from the standpoint of, I didn't see a whole lot of opportunities, you know, in the small town. Uh, I was paying for my own college and I, I remember applying to, um, uh, Northwestern university. And I, I think at that time, you know, tuition was like tuition and room and board was $10,000 a year. And I'm like, how would I ever make $40,000 in a lifetime to pay that back? But, you know, I, I didn't even think of applying to a school like MIT or Harvard, anything like that, because that was like a world away. I mean, uh, I, that was beyond my, my wildest dream. I couldn't even consider that. And so when I had the opportunity, uh, I was actually, um, there was a gentleman from our town that came back during his summer, and he was at one of the academies. And uh, I saw other people coming back flipping burgers to pay for college, and I saw him come back, and he'd just been around the world, all the rest of that, and he's like, oh, yeah, and it's, it's 100% um, uh, scholarship. Uh, you don't have to pay for it. And I'm like, sign me up. And at that point, I was, I was too young and dumb uh, to know that uh, that's hard to get into build everything out. And by the grace of God, uh, they, uh, they overlooked uh, that I have no depth perception. They didn't find that out until my senior year. I wasn't technically physically qualified, um, but uh, I got into the Naval Academy and uh, the rest was history. What was your role in the Navy? Uh, so I ran the nuclear power plants. Uh, I was a surface nuke. Uh, um, it really taught me that anything can be systematized, can be taught. Uh, my first ship was the USS Abraham Lincoln. Uh, at that time, it was the newest and finest in the fleet. Uh, now it's just the finest. The, the role, something with nuclear power plants, you said, is that like, that sounds like an important position. Well, you can either picture it as an important position or a lot of people think of me as Homer Simpson back then. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say right. that, right, yeah. But no, it was just amazing that, and that's really impacted my life, that if you can bring people out of college, out of high school, um, that are highly motivated, highly intelligent, but you know, they not, don't have PhDs in nuclear physics, right? But within 18 months, we were trained on how to do this and how to follow the systems, how to follow the culture. And so at times now when uh, people tell me, well, you don't understand my business. Uh, it can't be systematized. It can't be taught. I'm like, no, you don't understand your business. If they can figure out how to teach people how to run nuclear reactors, I can teach people how to, to run my business. And that's really been a key of our business on how we can systematize it so we get predictable experiences, predictable results, and also scalable. 
Were you shortly thereafter, um, your time in the Navy, uh, were you then on the path to sales or marketing or entrepreneurship? Uh, I was on the path to stability, right? Throughout my entire life, I was taught, taught, you know, find a stable job, just do this. And well, Hmm. my commitment in the Navy was up in 1992. And with that, peace broke out. You know, that's when the evil empire, the Soviet Union collapsed and everything. And I just saw that this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. By that time, I had a family and it was having the, the deployments were having an impact on them. Hmm. You know, I, I always thank people that served, but even more so, I thank the families of the people that served because you know, that's, I think, the hardest on them. So I looked at that and said, I'm going to leave the Navy. And at that time, my dad called me a fool. You know, all you've got to do is put another 15 years in and you can get a retirement. And I'm like, dad, I'll be dead in 15 years. I I definitely won't have a family. So I went and I got another stable job and uh, it was in engineering. And then I went to um, uh, operations and then I had an opportunity to go into sales. And this was 100% commission sales. And I told my dad that I was doing it and he called me a dang fool or words to that effect. And he's like, you cannot go on straight commission with a family, with uh, a mortgage. Uh, you know, come on, be an adult, be reasonable, be, be stable. And I'm like, no, this is what I've got to do. Well, um, he lived long enough to say that I was right, um, that he had, that, uh, that the advice that he had given me was not right for me, um, that I was successful with it. But this entire time I was struggling. It's like, well, I've got to be responsible. I've got to have my security, all all the rest of this. And I realized that, you know, ultimately your security comes from your ability to produce, not from just one employer. And right now I look at it as I've got more job security now than I ever have, right? Because I get paid by 90 different bosses, right? We've got 90 different clients that we serve. Mm. And I would much rather have that than, uh, than one, uh, than one uh, person uh, that I work for, even if it's the U.S. government. Wow. So you just peeled back a little bit of the the inner workings of Interview Valet. Um, and I know on your website and from dealing with you guys, you have um, a, a, a team, a, a plethora of various people managing the guests, managing the hosts, communicating, all things top to bottom, right? Exactly. And that's been a, a, a growth. I mean, when we first started, we, uh, uh, we had five people on the team. And as Murphy's Law would have it, all five people on the team emailed the same podcaster the same week. And I can still remember Jamie Masters from Eventual Millionaire calling me up. And she's like, you know, Tom, I love you like a, like a brother, but you're wearing me out. And so there we looked at it and said, no, I mean, we've hit this, this point now where we've got to have some people that just are the account managers for the um, clients, the guests, and then we've got to have some that are account managers for the podcasters. And we've got to have the internal communication inside. So with that, now we've got a team of 16, uh, uh, about, um, about half of them are client concierge, the account managers, and the other ones are the podcast porters. And so with that, then internally, we have all the conversations, um, all of the, um, uh, the coordination, all of the systems, because we want to give the white glove service to our clients who are the guests, but we also want to give it to the podcast hosts, because while they don't pay us, we still serve them and we need both sides. Wow. So you, and, and is all this 100% virtual? 
It is. Um, I, I, I swore that I would never own another brick and mortar business, right? Because we were limited by the amount of talent we could find in, in Kalamazoo. The other thing is I can't tell the world that I'm sorry, we're closed because there's a snowstorm this week in, in Kalamazoo. Nor can I say, hey, we're open from nine to five East Coast time. You know, we've got customers around the world. Um, we've, I've done a kickoff call at 5 a.m. and I've done it at 11 p.m. Um, so from that standpoint, having people across different time zones and the ability to work when they want, not just when the doors are open, to me is so much more powerful. You know, today, is, yeah. today, work is what you do, not where you go. Yeah. What is your, from, from your point of view as founder, what is your, what is your biggest challenge or involvement? I'm thinking it's it, like, I mean, communication has to be something prevalent there. Yeah. It is, but I don't think that's the biggest challenge. Uh, I've worked hard on this. Uh, the bottleneck of any organization is always at the top. You know, my biggest competitor is that guy that stares at me in the morning as I'm shaving. Um, we have gotten a team, we've gotten the structure, we've gotten great people. Sometimes for me, it's just realizing um, what I'm supposed to be doing and letting them do what they're supposed to be doing. Um, Drew McClellan, who runs the Agency Marketing uh, Institute, um, great mentor. And he told me that building this type of business, an agency, is more like raising a child than it is a machine, right? And with e-commerce, it was really easy. Build the machine, add the fuel, and go. But here we've, uh, we've gotten the right people. We've trained them. They've grown up in the business. Uh, early on, it felt like you had to do everything for them. But now we're getting to the point where it's, uh, it's like they're like, hey, can I have the car keys? And could you get out of the way of the driveway so I can go on and do what I need to do? And that's a, it's a great place to be in. Uh, so right now, you know, uh, I call myself CEO, but that's chief evangelist officer. So my biggest value that I have to the company is evangelizing, evangelizing, yeah. podcasting, our customers, our company. Um, so that's, that's uh, communication has sort of worked its way out with the team. And uh, to note what you said, that um, a lot of founders or CEOs or entrepreneurs tuning in wouldn't uh, get out of the way and let them have the keys and do their thing. It's tough. It's tough. It's scary. Um, they're not going to do it. Well, I wouldn't say even perfect. They're not going to do it exactly the same way that you would. But you know what? I, I can think of one of our team leaders. I said, you know, how, you, how do you want to do the goals this quarter? How do you want to do um, the bonuses and everything? And she came to me with a, a plan. And I'm like, no, that's too, that's too easy. You know, I would have tweaked it ever so much as an engineer. But you know what? I'm like, it's your team. Go for it. And the team bought into it. She bought into it. And, you know, they, they're hitting the goals and the quotas from there. So from that standpoint, um, it's almost like my dad, you know, um, he, he called me a, a fool and a dang fool. Uh, but at a certain point, uh, uh, you've got to just say, hey, um, I trust you. Uh, I've trained you. Uh, I'll, I'll be here to help you in any way I can. But let's, let's give it a try. During one of our um, earlier email correspondences, you you referenced my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, and you said something like, I get it, I've been hidden myself for, for so long. Expand on that if you could. Yeah, I've even struggled with this now in this business, right? So originally I was, I was hidden, I was scared to death to go out and become an entrepreneur. 
and uh, you know that, that stable thing, whether a stable company, uh, a stable job, and uh, then I, I found that the stability came from your ability to um, perform. But even in this company, I've hidden at times, right? Because I didn't want um, Interview Valet to be the Tom Schwab show. Right, so if you go to the website, you're not gonna see pictures of me all over the homepage. I, I didn't want it to be an ego thing. And that's what I told myself, and in some ways, I think I was hiding behind that also. Because it's one thing, Josh, uh, if you reject Interview Valet, that's the thing. But if you're like, if you say no to Tom Schwab, it's hard not to take that personally. And the more I've, uh, I've struggled with that, I've also come to the realization Every, every company needs a, a figurehead. It needs a mouthpiece. It needs somebody to go out there. So I need to, to own that. And so uh, strategically over this last year, I've been doing a lot more speaking events, um, getting out there a lot more. Uh, you know, I do a daily podcast discovery right now. Uh, every day I give a shout out to a, a different podcast. And um, that's all putting my face out there, which at times can be uncomfortable. I don't like the way I sound on, on, uh, on podcasts. I definitely don't like the way I look on video, right? Everybody else's lighting and camera is much better than mine. And then I just realized it's not the lighting and the camera, it's the subject matter. But uh, uh, sometimes it's, it just gets to that point where you've got to stop hiding. And for me, maybe it, it was a blessing when I turned 50 because somebody told me that before you're 50, you've got to work hard to look cool he said, after you turn 50, if you work hard to look cool, you just look creepy. So this is who I am. Before we went on the air, we had a discussion that led us to the topic of isolation and what entrepreneurs may be inadvertently doing to, uh, to keep themselves isolated. Um, expand on this. Yeah. I, um, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we can put our head down and become busy right? In our cubicle, uh, late at nights, wherever it is. And we isolate ourselves. And the harder we work, sometimes the worse it gets. You know, we, never, we don't get out of our heads. We've got those voices that are there. And if you think about it, most countries, solitary confinement is considered cruel and unusual punishment. Um, I think the UN thinks it's that, if, if I remember right. But what do we do as entrepreneurs? solitary confinement and it's it's uncomfortable sometimes to to go out and go to a conference go to a networking event uh, but you know what the best things happen there and there are people out there today that want to help you there's coaches there's mastermind groups there's mentors you know what's ordinary to you is amazing to other people uh, so often i have to say this because i have to remind myself of this i did about a three-week stint where I, I wasn't out of the office. I was working hard, I had no conferences, and then just last week I had to fly out to Denver. And I'm, I told my wife beforehand, I, I know what I'm gonna go through here. I'm gonna say, oh, I, I should be home, I should be working on these projects, these um, to-do lists, um, things that are busy. But I got on the plane, went out to, uh, to Denver, and just, met the most amazing people, got new clients, got new ideas. You know, there's, I remember reading sometimes that the, um, your creativity goes up at proportional to the distance from your desk squared, 
right? I don't think I've ever had a creative idea sitting at my desk. It's got to get out from there. Um, so it. from that standpoint, um, I've got to remember sometimes that uh, uh, I, I shouldn't work for a jerk. Uh, the jerk should let me get away from my desk every now and then. Looking back on a younger version of yourself, what conversation would you have with that person? I think I would tell him to enjoy the process and enjoy the relationships. Going back, you know, um, uh, early on, we all want the results. You know, um, patience is a virtue, but it's not one that I have. My prayer to God has always been, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. <laughs> He's never responded. Maybe he just laughs. But I think early on, just realizing that um, it's a long-term game. A lot of those relationships that are seeds that you're planting now, they may not come up for a while. But if you keep nurturing those, um, the richness of your life is the richness of relationships. Uh, would have a lot more fun along the way, and I think I would have been a lot further along in the way. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Yes. Und undoubtedly. Um, everything happens for a reason and everything happens for good. And whether or not that is true, I don't care. It's a belief that serves me. And uh, there's a great book called The Miracle Equation by Hal Elrod. Um, Hal is one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And even when he was you know, going through what was supposed to be terminal cancer, he was upbeat, he was positive, and uh, he said that this is like the best time in his, his life. And this is going to teach him so many things. So in, in the same way, I think um, nothing has meaning until we assign it meaning. And most of the time, we don't know what the meaning is until way later on in life. So I think if we look at it and say, this is great, why? And if we keep searching for that, um, it'll serve us. I love how you put it that um, you believe everything happens for a reason and that belief serves you, period. I mean, that could be extended to every single thing up here, right? We don't have to justify it to anybody. Right. And um, why wouldn't we tell us things that serve us? So if, if I'm going to say that uh, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me, I guarantee I'm going to be right. It is, but yeah. uh, you know, it's like that that little kid that uh, uh, that comes down and wanted a, a pony for for Christmas, and instead of a pony, got a dog. And the first thing they walked down on Christmas morning and stepped in a, a dog pile there, and they were so excited that uh, you know something, some pile that big, the pony's got to be around here someplace. And they went running around, never saw the dog. They just kept looking for the the uh, the pony. So. If, if you step in that, uh, just start looking for the pony. Somebody's giving you a gift. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways? Um, I started out as religious. You know, I was uh, uh, brought up Roman Catholic. I love that. Um, I am a believer. Um, but I'd have to say I'm more spiritual than anything, right? Um, it serves me to think that there's somebody that created me, that loves me, cares for me, wants the best for me, that the universe is is a good place it's not an evil place um that that we're we're made in the image of god we're made to be creators we're, we're made to serve other people i just look at that and say those kind of beliefs serve me um you know uh, the world the world isn't uh, is a crazy place right now um but i also look at that and i say there is no better time to be alive 
right? Um, I, I talk about my grandpa a lot, and he's one of my heroes and one of the best business advisors I ever had. Uh, I, I look at that and say, you know, for me, today, Josh, a bad day is when I lose internet. If I lose it for like half the day, it's just a terrible day. For my grandfather, a bad day was when he buried a child. And so how can you not wake up in the morning and pinch ourselves and say, man, uh, we, we've got it. We, we're, we are blessed. Hmm. What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on earth comes to an end? We're going to be remembered. That's the only thing that I can be sure of is that we'll be remembered. We'll be remembered for the good or the bad. And uh, I, I heard a podcast interview recently with somebody that uh, was terminally ill. And it was very, very powerful. He talked about that originally he was going after things. And then when he realized that he wasn't getting um, happiness in things, then he went to experiences. And then he realized that the experiences were going to die with him too. You know, I can hike the, uh, the Grand Canyon, have all the pictures in the world, but when I die, that dies too. So I think it's the relationships that... Um, that live on, right? So I don't, I don't know for certain what's going to happen to me, but I, I know that I will live on in memories. And there's some cultures that believe that you're alive as long as somebody remembers you. And, you know, if somebody can, you know, 50 years from now, talk about me um, and say, hey, I learned this from Tom, or, you know, tell a funny story or something like that. That's what, that's what I'm focused on. You know, I can remember at our church, they did a, uh, something where they had a rope. It was probably, the rope was 100 yards long, and it was weaved all throughout the church. And there was like this six-inch section up on the, the altar that was red. And they said, this is when you're alive, you know, and all this other white is eternity. And I'm like, no, it doesn't go just from red to white. For some people, it does. But I think what you want to do is make that as pink as, as long as possible. So you think of somebody like George Washington. He died 200 some years ago, probably. He still has an impact. Uh, Martin Luther King, his line was really short in there, but he had a huge impact on that. And so with all of that, I just look and say, um, I just want to make a, as good an impact on the world as I can. So beautiful. Um, wrap this up into a nice tidy bow if we can. What is, what is, what is the message we're delivering here? What are we saying? You know, you went in some places here that I didn't expect, and thank you for doing that. And um, I, I think of something that Rand Fishkin, uh, who's the uh, uh, founder of SEO Moz, said. Yes, he is. Uh, he said, the best, the best way to sell something is not to sell anything, but to earn the respect, awareness, and trust of those who might buy. Now, what we've been talking about here, I've been break, trying to break through my um, obscurity right? To, to get known to those who might buy. Now, there's probably three types of people that listen to me, you know, uh, and the three types of people that'll listen to you. First one, are going to say, Tom is an idiot. I don't disagree with them, but you know what? If you think that, God love you, but we're probably not going to be good customers together, or we're not going to work together well. The second ones are like, huh, that was interesting, but I don't need that person right now. God love you. Go on. I hope it uh, brightened your day. The third ones are the ones that go, wow, I like him, 
I respect him. I trust him. Uh, he works with people like me. He could help me. Those are the kind of clients you want to, uh, to attract. So I think the biggest thing there is just our biggest problem is obscurity. Let people know who you are, who you really are, who your brand is, not, not just not just the bullet points. Get that word out there. You know, you're, the people that love you and want to work with you will be drawn to you. And uh, you can make the world a much better place by serving just those people. If that's not a place to leave it, I don't know what is, but I will leave you with this final question. Tom Schwab, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, with some laughs. Right. So whatever story it is, I hope people are laughing at the end of it. I hope people say that um, uh, that he taught me something. He put a smile on my face and he helped me grow my business. Uh, that's the biggest thing that I get right now is I get the biggest kick when somebody calls me and says, I was on this podcast interview. It was great. You know, Josh and I started this partnership on this thing. I got clients from it, all the rest of that. I'm excited for them. It's that multiplier effect. And almost like uh, we were talking before, if you've ever had children, right? It's one thing um, to win the race yourself. But when you see your child um, win that race in high school or, you know, uh, learn to ride a bike, if you can if you can go and, and take joy in what they're doing too, um, that's what's important. So if there's anything that I said that resonates with people and I can help you uh, make an impact on the world, please reach out to me. There you go. I told you from the beginning, this is going to be a fantastic conversation, whether or not you care about podcasts. Well, you do in some form you're listening, but whether or not you care about being a guest on one or hosting one, this is all applicable and there's so much more. I'm glad you went to the places we went. Tom Schwab, thank you so much for coming on and opening up as you did. Such a cool guest. I appreciate you. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate you and all the hard work you put into the podcast. Anybody that says doing a podcast is easy has either never done it or never done it well. The great ones just make it look easy. Oh, wow. Cool. Thank you. So true, though, by the way. We can go on tangents for that all day. Uh, so um, I want to thank everybody tuning in, whether it is to this live broadcast or you're listening to the native podcast format on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Leave a review. I love reading your words and seeing what you think. We're going to do this again before too long. Thanks again for spending your time. Until we do it again, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.